Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet Online, where the game starts. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> yes, bitch! Today on the show, I'm really excited to welcome a guest who is incredibly motivational. She's an inspiring woman that has achieved, I mean, look, the internet is full, literally chock full of amazing jaw-dropping, gives you goosebumps transformations. I honestly can't think of one that is more impressive and more astounding than my guest today. Uh, maybe Caitlyn Jenner, that's a pretty crazy, that was jaw-dropping, that transformation. But this <laughs> transformation is equally, if not more so, and I would like to welcome her. She is the at- the Iron Giantess on uh, that there Instagram, and her name is Laura Misitech. Miss, I always fuck this up. Mikatish, so close. No, Mikatish, you're doing great. Because I said, I think I told you uh, a while back that I had a dude I grew up with who's spelled it the exact same way, and he said Misitech. So I, it's either way. The Iron Giantess has joined us. Hi Thank you for being on the show. Um, I obviously we'll we'll get into like the whole history of you and your application to fitness, but I was actually thinking about it on the way over here to to do the show. How when you when something is very personal to you, it can affect you in a disproportionately either either harmful or or or, or positive way. My point being, like last night, I was at uh, the gas station getting. I was in line at the gas station. I was gonna buy chewing tobacco and shit. The lady in front of me was so fucked up on meth, like really fucked up. I mean, her pupils were gone, and she had sores all over her body. She was so rail skinny, and it was just something about that just fucking floored me. I was trying to hide myself tearing up because she turned around. And she said, have a good day. And she's the way she smiled at me, it just tore me up inside because I just, I was like, I looked at her and I was like, I know how much you're suffering. And I wanted to know if you have some similarity if, when how you look at people who are overweight and you can just totally connect with both the social suffering, the physical suffering, everything because of, of where you come from. Yeah, absolutely. Now my space is more of the counseling space. So I really work with the mental health and the mindset that goes into the blocks and the protection mechanism that is weight. And for me, a lot of the times what I'm seeing is a young woman who was 
essayed or, uh, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing somebody who struggled with an autoimmune issue as a young child, or really had some feeling of lack of safety in their body and the weight protected them. So when I'm having a conversation with somebody and I can just see that in their eyes, I can see that the, most of the time weight is not there subconsciously because you're lazy. And that's the hardest thing to deal with is that it's the first thing people see. So these, there are people that are just getting daily this confirmation that they're not a good enough person to be fit. But then you have to go into that background of what's making them feel unsafe in their body and unconnected from their body. And I mean, the overlaps between addiction, because I have my own struggles with things, but the overlaps of addiction and dysregulation and lack of safety in the body are startling. So when I I'm really having one of those conversations and someone opens up and is willing to create that space for me to have a conversation. It is the most beautiful, profound thing, but it's also really hard to witness that amount of pain in people on the street who are genuinely so kind and so happy and usually the most giving people to other people, but to themselves, there's something that says, I don't deserve this. And that's hard for me to reconcile for sure. Yeah, I mean, do you have any tips? Because I I think that there's a lot of care- crossover too with 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 drug and alcohol addiction. In that, there, oftentimes, you know, when I go to meetings and stuff, they, you're talking about some of the nicest, most considerate, most generous people, but uh, myself included, have a very horrible self image and almost feel like we deserve that self flagellation. And uh, do do you have any? kind of tips or at least anecdotal stuff that helped you in making that transition and dealing with it in a more direct way. Yeah, I think that mentality is really the I wouldn't hit a fly, but I'd kill myself. Mm. That's sort of how I look at it is you're the kindest person, but there's something in you that says that everyone deserves kindness except for me. And one of my first tips is now years later, looking back and doing all of the work that I've done on myself and with others is nervous system regulation. That's my first spot that I go to, whether I'm dealing with somebody who is going through PTSD or is dealing with addiction issues or is dealing with the coping and numbing mechanisms that come around sedentary lifestyle and binge eating and things like that, getting the awareness to recognize that you're actually just dysregulated in your body and your surroundings and overwhelmed and over-triggered and then finding that safety in your body that's been lacking over time can make a world of difference. So that's, you know, the woo-woo stuff of getting in a cold plunge and going going to therapy and just discussing things, but also it's you know working on your vagus nerve, get, doing breath work, meditating, being willing to sit in that dysregulation and let it um, pass through you and find that connection with your body. Movement is such a cure, such a an amazing way to handle that as well because you're disconnected, especially if you're living a sedentary lifestyle. You're completely disconnected from the signals your body is sending. And the more you ignore those signals, whether it's with addiction or it's with your health and wellness, the louder your body screams. So people forget that if you're not listening at all to what your body needs, it is screaming at you all the time. And so is the entire world around you. So it's like a little kid that's scared, that's being screamed at all the time. And of course you're overwhelmed. And of course you're dysregulated. Going into any journey with of, I need to be perfect today to be worthy of this change is huge because I think we put so much weight on needing to be the version of us, the identity that we want to be tomorrow, right right now. And it doesn't work that way. You don't jump step. You have to really find great, what I call grace in the gray, the 
you have to learn to self-regulate. You have to do regulation work and you have to find grace in the gray on those days where you're doing your best to show up as that version of yourself, even if it falls short, short of perfection. Yeah, that fake it till you make it is real. It, it's just so hard to regulate. Meaning like, I, I think everything you said was profound and beautiful and I support it 1 million percent. But also there's a bunch of people, especially kids nowadays. I don't, I don't want to say kids, that's denigrating, but younger people under 30, there's so much of this, like I'm a 10, I'm boss bitch, regardless of the fact that they dropped out of high school, they have a, they have a 200 credit and they're 50 pounds overweight. Everything's about like, I'm the best. And I feel that way. Like, how do you make heads or tails of legitimate, healthy self-esteem and delusion? Yeah. Well, I think there is this pressure to really perform in the outside world. And you can lie as much as you want to the outside world about your confidence. And I totally believe in fake it till you make it. Because I seemed like the most confident person in the world when I was 340 pounds. I looked like I owned shit and I loved it. But I was miserable. And that was part of that dysregulating sensation is like, you know that what you're putting out there isn't authentically what you're feeling. So getting really clear on what you're feeling and honoring those instead of just pushing them away. And that's not just sitting in a puddle of your own despair, but it's acknowledging that a lot of times being with the plus size movement and the really body positivity movement, it's all, I'm all on board for it. I love the confidence side of it, but also being aware of the fact that your knees hurt and it sucks to walk and you're exhausted and getting off the couch to get the remote hurts. Your If your body is hurting, you're hurting. So you can still be wildly confident and be focused on being in your body in the best way that you can and taking care of your body in a way that isn't, I want to get on a cover of a magazine. I mean, it's just, I want to feel good and I want my body to feel good. You're on the same team. You're not fighting against each other. And that's a great place to start when it comes to confidence in your body if you're struggling with your weight, because a lot of times you've been fighting like hell to feel okay in your body and that's a hard thing to let go of so you don't have to you're just protecting your body and taking care of it and sometimes I mean, a lot of times um, with my uh, i'll be the first to admit with myself included your body may visually look amazing and you're still not comfortable in it you know i mean i don't think that there's any real direct right. correlation to like maybe being magazine ready and feeling good in your skin it's it's they're two kind of mutually exclusive exercises that you got to go through Exclusively different. The skinny, I feel great. I mean, I was a pro coach, so I know that when you look your best, you usually feel your worst. Oh, yeah. So it's all figuring out where your body actually feels good and then settling there and really learning to take care of it. If you can learn to take care of your body instead of subject it to what you think it needs to look like, you'll change your life. Everyone's life would change if that was their only core core driving force. Yeah, it, it is weird. It is. I think I'm glad you said that. It is strange how, and I'm sure social media and things have a lot to do with it, but the highest levels of bodybuilding and physique competitors, it always was a endeavor of health for, for 80 years. And then somewhere around like the 80s that changed where, there, where they took like a fork in the road. And then lately in the last five years, it's become, they're, they're complete, I mean, where it's like, want to look amazing okay you're dead at 35 like it's really gotten divided um what was your take on that because i'm sure you were you were you're you're someone who is very committed to health and i know that 
but you're also someone who had to make an incredible transformation to change the way they looked. And I'm sure there was a lot of motivation to maybe do things to get that to happen uh, that might not necessarily be the healthiest. How did you kind of deal with that? Well, I would say I'm very committed to health now, but I was so desperate to reach that finish line too, just like so many of us are. And I have gone through, I mean, I struggled with eating disorders for most of my life. And then through a lot of my journey when I was younger and just getting started, I struggled with bulimia, I struggled with anorexia, I struggled with um, taking substances to stay smaller and suppress my appetite. And those are things I talk about really openly because I think I wasn't happy. A lot of times we think we're gonna get to that finish line and feel our leanest and thinnest and everyone's gonna love me and I'm gonna feel great. And it doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work like that with the bodybuilders either. Cause a lot of the guys that I would work with, we'd get them on the stage and they're suffering from insomnia. Um, their moods are all over the place. They're starving, but they're not eating. They leave with a massive eating disorder. The number of clients and amazing athletes who have won huge, huge bodybuilding awards that left stage. And my job was to keep them from sinking into a binge eating disorder was that was my end goal with our athletes. I did that aftercare was all I cared about watching women. I mean, we have the Ozempic craze right now. We have all of these people that are so focused on the thin is in crackhead nineties energy. That's going to, that's louder than ever, but not people can't really hear it because they're yeah. not noticing it, but it's coming. It is so hard when society says, if you look a certain way, you'll be accepted. But most of the tools that we have, stunt your connection with your body and stunt your ability to check if you're healthy. So all of these mechanisms are changing our brains to not be able to know when our body is in distress and we're normalizing it as a society. Oh, it's normal that you're starving. That's part of being on a calorie deficit and yeah. eating a thousand calories. And it's normal that you're roid raging because you're taking different products that are supposed to make. I was a high school teacher and I'm watching my high schoolers take unregulated stacks and cycles with no knowledge around them. And I'm just watching people get further and further away from being connected with their body and actually feeling good in it. Cause what you're doing is you're creating a, you're unsafe in your body. And the less safe you feel, the more you're going to get that anxiety and panic. And it's not just going to be your body. And the hardest reality is when you reach your goal and you hate yourself more, <laughs> you're just going to implode. You're like, what was all this work for? It's, I mean, a lot, you see a lot right. of, um, see a lot of guys deal with it uh you get to middle age and and, and around my age in your, your mid 40s and you work your whole life to be successful and now you're fucking stinking rich and you worked your ass off to get it and you're still either not as happy or Miserable. or not as happy as you assumed and you're like well this what was all everything i've done i was like i'm gonna be so happy when i have a bentley and a mansion and you're like i i do and i'm very unhappy you know, and you see it a lot in Hollywood too, unfortunately. Like, okay. That's a space I really love talking about because with we see that all, it, this stress doesn't just apply to people changing their bodies. It applies to anyone running the rat race, chasing a success that keeps them dysregulated, exhausted, overworked, disconnected from their body. And you see that with retirees. You see that with people who have worked their whole life in a profession only to retire and realize, what did I do this for? And you see it with people who run the rat race trying to get their dream body yeah. and think, what was I doing? And if you're not doing the mental work behind it, I'm sorry. It sucks. It's going to suck forever until you really face what you're running from. And I think a lot of it too, tell me, tell me what you think, because I actually, 
I actually feel weird sometimes giving people advice on, but if look if they're if they're a skinny fat guy, I feel very comfortable because I was like I was just an average dude. I had no muscle and I wasn't fat, but I was uh, I was not impressive when I took my shirt off. And I wanted that and I worked hard and I got it. Let me help you. But when someone's over a hundred pounds overweight, I go like I feel awful trying to sit here and tell you what you should or shouldn't do because I can't, I don't know what it's like to be in your skin. I don't. Um, but d tell me like, I feel like the motives for why you do it play a big role. When I was 19, I wanted to be buff because I wanted to be impressive to chicks. Mm -hmm. yeah. When I was 40, I got to this weird position I, it, I don't know I didn't I, I can't claim that it was any type of like effort on my part I do meditate I do seek therapy and all that and I go to my 12-step stuff but I, I, I didn't there wasn't any outward push by my by my estimation but I got to this point where I was like no I'm doing this for fucking me I'm doing this for me because it makes me feel amazing and I feel better about myself and then everything just started to become easier for me and I wonder, like, if you're doing it because, like, your husband left you and you feel bad about yourself. So, like, I'm going to train and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to take Ozempic and I'm going to I don't think that that gets you to as much of a happy place if you're like, you know what? I'm tired of not liking myself and I'm going to go and I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah, I think here's the thing. Your why can change. And so that's a beautiful and releasing feeling for a lot of people who started their journeys that from a place that wasn't about themselves. Mm -hmm. You can start from a shitty place. I started because my boyfriend left me and I was writing my own story and I hated the story I was in. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I had up, I had a whole bunch of time in my hands because I'd given everything to the relationship and uprooted my life. And that's what happened. And I started from a place of spite almost and then it became so fun that i fell in love with it and then i started working with pro bodybuilding and again i came from a place of i'm not enough i'm doing this for other people and i circled back to that why and then i left pro bodybuilding and i found more of an excitement and joy in movement and that's been really relieving but you don't have to have started from a good place to get to a good place it's the awareness like right now if you're listening to this and you're thinking now that i think about it i kind of feel like a douchebag i picked all of this stuff and I changed my entire life and I'm not happy and I did it for all the wrong reasons. Do it, start looking at yourself right now from that place of why would I do this if I cared about myself? Why would I do this if it felt good? And if you're happy and things feel good, you will look better, you will feel better and that resonates way more than anything you're doing for outside approval. I think being willing to just be in the now and pivot from where you are your journey is not wasted because you did it for the wrong reasons. Right. But a lot of the techniques that you used when you were willing to, you know, I'll, I won't hurt a fly, but I'll kill myself. Yeah. That mantra in bodybuilding in weight loss is so true. The techniques that you're using, if your brain says, I'll do anything for this, stop it. That's bullshit. Yeah. You, if you're willing to die on this cross and just like run yourself into the ground and not eat and take substances you do you do you and when you're ready to wake up that's fine we'll all be here but if you can wake up right now it'll change your life and and by the way if you're willing to die for it if you're willing to take the drugs if you're willing to have maybe compromising surgeries so that you can be attractive to the opposite sex let me be very clear 
if you have to do that to attract a certain guy, ladies or gay dudes, if you have to do that to attract a certain girl, uh, lesbians and straight guys, that's not the right person. Like, Agreed. let me be very clear that th there's no way that that's going to be a healthy connection long term because someone who is in it for you, like, believe me, you don't have to go through any of that shit. You know what yeah, I'm saying? And all those insecurities that you had in that former version of yourself are right there. That's yeah. the thing people forget. You carry your weight like a blanket around you for the rest of your life until you're ready to deal with that shit. So it's all going to come up. Even if you trick somebody into bed, at some point, the insecurities that you're carrying around your worthiness are going to cause a problem and you're yeah. going to have to yeah, and it's 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 really hard to say this uh, as a straight guy, but yeah, I was sure. I was a very successful bachelor, especially when I got on TV and I was like 28 and I had already been married. I, I got out of a marriage and I'm single for the first time in my adult life and now I'm on TV and I have money. Uh, I did bang everyone, any girl I spent any reasonable amount of time with, I had sex with and that's awesome. But at the same time, I did feel awful. I mean, it did. And I, it's like, I, I again, I feel weird saying this as a straight guy because I probably would go back in time and do it all the same. But I, I felt empty and weird. It's not there. It's not like it wasn't some panacea that made me feel better about myself, you know? Absolutely. It's it's like going into, listen, you go to a bar, you get a lot of compliments from the guys, you look great, You maybe you make out with a stranger, you're feeling on top of your game, but you still leave thinking, what the hell was that? Yeah. Like, don't nobody leaves those situations and those interactions thinking, well, that confirms that I'm amazing. Yeah. They just leave thinking like, what? Subconsciously, you're thinking, how the hell did I think that was going to make me feel better? And that doesn't mean you can't slang and bang. Like, you can right. go out and do your thing. But if that is about filling an emptiness, just like you, your issues with substance are about filling an emptiness or your issues with food are about going home and filling an emptiness, that means you're feeling empty. And Dick doesn't really fix that. And, and you're not supposed to, by the way. Like, you're not really... Uh, this, is, this is news to people. If you're feeling empty, if you're trying to engage in things to make you feel less empty... That's uh, you're already lost. Like you're, <laughs> something's wrong, and there needs to be a complete rehaul. You don't need to change uh, the the carburetor on the engine. You need to buy a new car. Like yeah. you get are, out of the car and fucking walk. Yes, man. <laughs> the humans are not supposed to feel empty. You're supposed to feel worthwhile. Like you're, there's a purpose. That's such a hard thing, though. Yeah. I mean, I as I was working in counseling, and for years I was still able to talk to people and help them get through things, but I felt empty too. And I mean, those were some of my darkest days when I realized I've done all of this work and I don't know why I don't feel okay. I yeah. don't know, not in my skin, like I feel confident, I'm doing fine in the dating department, everything's all good, but I still feel like something's broken inside of me and I need to get in there and find it. And I think that's also, the recognition that you're telling yourself there's a piece of you deep in there, back in the closet that you're hiding, that you're going to find or someone else is going to find and boom, you're going to be a terrible person is bullshit. Because once you get in there and you tinker around, almost always there's nothing wrong with you except what you're saying to yourself. It's it's the narrator in your head. Yeah, yeah the narrator. You've got a flawed narrator. And it's, it's weird, though. I do. I do believe in the do as I say, not as I do, though, because you as you were saying, you were working in mental health field still feeling empty and, and broken and all that I, I some of the some of the best advice some of the most meaningful advice i've ever gotten from addicts were from people who are actively using who are dead you know for because they're like listen i know i'm gonna go 
hit the pipe. I know I'm going to the bar, but let me tell you the amount of pain I'm in, the amount of, you know, I don't think that there's, it always bothered me. It always bothered me when like, especially in country music, you'd see some new star would hit the scene and they're like, she's from New York City. This is, but she, I was like, she, she doesn't know pain. She feels country. She feels, she wants to be a country star. You don't have to be from Kingston, Jamaica to be a reggae star. You don't have to be from Nashville to be a country star. And I don't think you have to be fully put together to give people meaningful advice, you know, when it comes to. I also think a lot of times we're more put together than we give ourselves credit for because of the narrator. Yeah. Like That's if the point. narrator just took a freaking seat for a minute, a lot of us would be okay. And I, I mean, I say that as somebody who would who randomly stumbled into one of the darkest times of my life when I thought I had it figured out. So it's it's not crazy to take advice from someone who's been there, someone who is there, because most of the time, all that they're doing is saying, I'm feeling a lot of pain and I would never wish that on you. So here's what I can give you to try to help. Um, Before- and I think that goes back to people who are overweight, helping not people who are underweight, never really relating to people who are going through the struggles. of obesity. Yeah, no, that's a good point. No, that's a very that's a very good analogy. Um, what, I, 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 I correct me if I'm wrong, but I have to assume when you're because also uh, for those of you who don't know. Uh, go check out uh, again. It's at the Iron Giantess on Instagram. I will put up all the links and everything. Make sure. But uh, not only are you uh, someone who's made an incredible transformation with your body, but you're very tall for a woman. So it probably was even more overwhelming to to see as a, especially in like junior high school and stuff. It must have been really socially difficult because not only are you overweight, but you're like six feet tall. Uh, which like both of those, uh, you know, are are ways to get made fun of when you're a kid, especially a girl. Um, yeah, um, I took up too much space. Was sort of the the yeah, and that was a common. And do was it hard for you when because and I I'm being very I'm not saying this to butter you up or, or and I'm not trying to be a locker room guy, but you're you're really hot. You're a very attractive girl. So I have to make the assumptions that for many years of your life you got very. You either got no attention or very negative attention from guys. And then now you're getting lots of lots of attention from guys. And I wonder, is there any resentment? Is there any bitterness? And how do you deal with that? Well, one thing is that I've always gotten along with guys and I've always wanted to be part of the guy gang, which now I'm learning was just bruised femininity and issues around like being a girl and embracing that because I was six foot one taller than the guys. And the only way that I could play was to be on the team instead of one of the cheerleaders. Um, So I had wonderful male friendships and I've been really fortunate to have amazing male and female friendships throughout my life. Uh, So the resentment that I felt wasn't this oh, I don't exist. It was the, oh, I'm the best friend in the pocket. And I became the emotional bounce board for all of my guy friends. So I actually got to learn a lot of the ins and outs and really see men beyond the facade of I'm this macho guy who's so hot and I have no feelings. I got to see inside and behind the curtain of really teenage boys who were struggling with their own self-identity. And I learned that really easy and and early. And that's probably why I ended up in the field I ended up in, working with kids and then with adults who couldn't really connect with who they really are. But I will say there was definitely, you know, a year or a year after I lost the weight where I was an unstoppable force (laughs) and it was my job to but that's the thing is when no one let if you think of it like being fed i spent a lot of my life not being fed and watching other people eat and like 
when I lost the weight, suddenly it became, I was starving. <laughs> like, every, like attention was all that I wanted. I wanted to feel like a woman. I wanted to feel like a girl and I was getting it from, but I was starving. So I was taking it from anywhere that I could and really having no boundaries for myself around what I needed for care and need. So really it took years for me to reconcile that I deserved a certain level of kindness and treatment and empathy and that not everyone needed access to my energy. And I'm not just talking about in bed, I'm just saying in general, those interactions, I spent a lot of time dealing with a lot of douchebags because they said I was pretty. Right. And I think uh, that's pretty relatable for a lot of women who have struggled with their weight. It's like, I'll take anything I can get until one day you remember you're not worthless and you deserve to have some standards. And then all men are screwed. Yeah. And I think like that's where, uh, Lord, who, what the fuck do I know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I love it. Everything you say where you're like, I'm a man. And then you're like, okay, but that's accurate. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I, but I am, I'm also like a caveman. I mean, I have one child and she's a daughter, so I'm very sensitive. And I was essentially, my, my parents are still together, but I was raised by women because my sister, I only have one sibling and she's 11 years older than me. And my mom was there in the household and my dad traveled a lot for work. So I was, I was like woman happy household. But I think that like what you just said was that then men are screwed when a woman gets a real sense of her value. That's where real actual positive movement and femininity and feminism is coming into play. And I don't see that from a lot of the vocal women online trying to give this the posturing of like i'm a boss bitch and like i don't need no man and it's like wait wait well, if but you have to scream it you probably don't mean it right right it's and this like because you're not out there trying to make other people feel worthless because you feel good yeah you're just out there saying yeah i appreciate it but that's not enough for me that's not what i'm looking for and it's a kindness goes a long way no matter who you're interacting with and I, I really, this is my general concern for women, to, straight women particularly, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a weird, nuanced thing for, for lesbians. But for straight women right now with this, this rather confusing and nebulous world of feminism and, and, and empowerment, my concern is that they are going to think that in order to enact this empowerment that they have to be like this enacting of a boss bitch thing and I'm gonna I'm gonna stack up bodies and you can't slut shame me but in reality the guys out there that are going to recognize their true value and give them the respect that they that they deserve they're gonna pass over for the guy who has the fuckboy jeans and abs who's gonna treat her like shit and she it's just gonna be another one of those guys that ends up digging the hole deeper you know Yeah, I actually, from the, the woman of the world, I will tell you that I think the danger now is that a lot of people, a lot of women who are recognizing that they put themselves um, not in even energy exchange is that we're going to see a lot more women and self-isolating from the dating pool in general. So we're going to see a lot of women who feel the need to protect themselves by not engaging in relationship. And I think that that's valid but i also think it's really sad because it's just another amalgamation of 
I'm scared to really feel the world and I'm really scared to get hurt and I'm going to keep myself back. And the same thing goes for when you're in your fuckboy boy era of like, this guy can't actually touch me. It's the recognition that your fear is making you as unemotional, you as emotionally unavailable as you're labeling another person. And when you recognize that, you start to on around intimacy and what you do real connection. And then you're not missing the guy that's really kind, who really values you and builds you up. But you're also not blurring the lines for him because you're just being yourself versus right. this put on version. I know I wouldn't want somebody acting like an asshole and I have to bur burrow through all their bullshit to get to this layer of them being kind. You showing up as yourself. And I know that's hard to say and it sounds crazy, but to me, that sounds absolutely easy. Like, just take it or leave it. I'm going to dance around the room. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm really excited to meet you. And I think you're wonderful. And let's see what you have to offer because it's equally as valid as what I do. It is. But like, if you suck, get the fuck out. <laughs> it's please bounce. But I, 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 I wonder, yeah, because you're right. But it's easy, it's easy for me to say, too, to a 21-year-old guy who's confused about the dating life. It's easy for me to say, just be yourself, dude. Cause I'm 45 years old and uh, I don't give a don't, fuck. I mean, I really, <laughs> I'm, I'm married. I have chill. I have a life. I, I, I don't care. It's very easy for me to be myself. Now it was fucking excruciatingly impossible when I was yeah. 21 years old, you know? And so <sighs> I, I, well, I mean, part of the problem there is that we don't give them time to learn who they are. Part of fucking up is figuring out who you are. So like you're, there's a grace period around you being a dumbass. All of us, we've all been dumbasses. So like, it's not the shaming of you're in your dumbass era. It's like, you're just figuring yourself out. And I think we have to give people grace for that too. Yeah, that's good advice. And as I think it's really hard when everyone's life, especially young people, their life's lived online. You know, uh, I, there was a certain level of uh -huh. privacy with my fucking up. <laughs> you know, when I was 20, I could fuck up in private. And I don't know how much uh, kids have that uh, liberty now. Um, all right. It's really, again, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying this out of, out of sincere respect, your, your physical transformation, your emotional and psychological transformation, is, it's, it's astounding. And I think that people everywhere should uh, look at you and your life story and, and take your advice. At The Iron Giantess is where you can find her on Instagram. And then uh, that'll dovetail into other things that uh, Laura has to offer. Let's get down to the brass tacks of the transformation itself now. I mean, because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, women in particular that might be listening to this. And that, by the way, that's something I, sorry, as an aside, that's something I really pride myself on is that I was looking at analytics the other day. I have a lot of female viewers and listeners. And for a meathead kind of show, that means a lot to me because I always, my whole goal when I started this show was I wanted to make a show that someone who's like stage ready, all the drugs, they're going to die from all the drugs they're pumping into their body, but they're stage ready and shredded would find interesting. But someone who's never exercised in their life would be like, okay, I feel comfortable listening to the show. So it makes me feel good knowing that there's women, especially women above 30 that are listening to the show. That being said, where, where do you start? Let's say you're a woman, you're not happy with your appearance, you're overweight from you as someone who went through an almost insurmountable amount of weight loss and came out the other end, where you begin and what are some principles that you can impart to the people listening? 
fuck the all or nothing lifestyle. This whole mentality that you have to hit every nail on the head every single day to succeed is only going to lead to you falling off. So what I like to say is make a list of things that you want to improve. And that is you really, the first thing you do is in five years, when I don't have the weight, how do I want to live my life? I want to be eating a certain way. I want to be drinking water. I want to be going on hikes and walks. I want to be playing sports with my buddies. All of those things are going to inform how you show up in the beginning of your journey if you're willing to look at it. So recognizing that you getting closer to that goal is literally you just doing that every day. And I mean, I literally have it tattooed over my body all over that every single day when you wake up, you're just choosing to live as that version of you who doesn't doesn't see this as impossible. And that doesn't mean that you succeed every day. And I say that as somebody who struggled with eating disorders and some nights it'd be a perfect day. And I wouldn't recognize that my day was shitty emotionally and my go-to coping mechanism is food. So being really kind to yourself, it's hard. It's really fucking hard to be kind to yourself along the way. But if you can separate the critic in your mind and really look at how fucking hard you're trying every day and give yourself that credit, you will move a lot further, a lot faster because most of what we're dealing with is the self-sabotage and the narrative that makes us implode for no reason other than that in that moment, we don't feel safe that we can accomplish this. Yeah. So all or nothing is a recipe for disaster and small steps forward really will get you a lot further than you think. And, and patience and sustainability, right? Because Absolutely. even if you could be 140 pounds overweight uh, as you were, uh, am I estimating right? It was 150 some? Uh, uh, I think it's about 180 now, but Holy yeah. Holy mackerel. That's, a, well, that's fucking you amazing. You know what? I, I hate that number because I want to be allowed to go up or down 10 pounds and sure. not about it. But sure, yeah, but it's around there. I, I will tell you this, like I, I, I'm leaner, and more muscular than 99% of the globe, right? But I have those points when it'll be winter and I, after Christmas and I look at myself and I'm like, this 10 pounds is insurmountable. It seems impossible. So I can't imagine what it must have felt like to look in the mirror at 180 pounds overweight and go like, nope, may not be tomorrow, but I'm doing this and to just power yeah. through. It's fucking amazing. Well, and the other thing that people forget if they've never been morbidly obese is that it fucking hurts. Like it hurts to do anything. So people forget that we all are just like lose the weight. But every day, if your body is killing you to stand up out of a chair, asking someone to go do barbell squats is it sounds impossible. So that's why I always encourage, especially the further away you are from your goal, the gentler you can be with yourself, because what you're doing is you're really creating safety in that movement and creating normalcy in it. And then as you start moving, your body will take over. Like it will be excited. And the only thing that will really stop you is the narrative in your head saying you don't deserve it. And right. when you hear that, that's, you just notice it's there. You don't have to change it. One thing I, I always try to let people know, and this is not je just for overweight people. This is for scrawny guys or old people, uh, people who don't have fit into the to the demographic that's normally going to be going to a gym. There's this idea, a very false idea, that really ripped fitness chicks and really jacked dudes are judging you. And in my experience, the more fit and the more the the more uh, kind of fit the, the clientele, 
the less you will be judged and the more, A, because they're so into themselves. Uh, <laughs> but B, you if you've accomplished that, you've put in the work, you've earned your stripes, and you recognize that they – you, I, you kick ass just for walking in the doors today, like and I. So I think like the big beefy muscle heads and the ripped chicks are very intimidating to beginners. And I I always try to impart. I was like, it's actually quite the opposite. The most judgmental people are usually people that can't do it themselves. And, and I wonder if that, if that's been your experience. Absolutely, I have never found kinder people. Well, okay. When I started, my biggest fear was that people were, were going to judge my size. Mm -hmm. And I do not want to invalidate that thought because the truth is when I lost the weight, I found out a lot of people were betting against me. Yeah. So that's, I think when we act like nobody's looking, that's invalidating. But at the same time, when I started going to real bodybuilding gyms, I started going to spaces. I realized that in there, just like you said, that wasn't there because their demons, the people who look great, their demons are usually really loud and they can't even hear yours. And what's so triggering for a lot of people who aren't in the shape they wanna be in is walking in and being the exception to the rule because your physicality is the first thing people see. It's like you're wearing your insecurity on a board, whether that's I'm really skinny or that's I'm 300 pounds overweight. It feels like you're a walking billboard of your insecurities. But when you walk in there, it is really a church. Like it is old guys at 85, 70 years old who have been lifting weights since you know back in the day. And then, and then there's, People struggling with things you can't hear, but they're in there and they're fighting like hell to survive. And so are you. And so when, when we see somebody in there who is there, the thing that you need to know is that you being there as the exception to the rule makes everybody so fucking proud of you. You are fighting for something we can see. That's a battle we can identify. And, and when you see that and you're fighting inner battles that are quiet and you see somebody who's out there on the front lines fighting a battle we can all see, most of the people in a gym, in a real gym, who are really there for the right reasons are going to be backing you like no other. So I always say if the first person you go to get advice from is the juice head who's jacked, who looks like you shouldn't talk to him. It's the power lifter who's, you know, rack pulling 700 pounds. It's the girl who looks like maybe not the girl on the cardio equipment all the time, but go up to a girl who looks like she's actually doing the work and yeah. killing it. And she's in the, the, the zone. muscle babes. Honestly, the muscle babes are all usually more, oh, they're the more healthy kindest. mentally and physically than the like, you know, the runway model looking chick, you know? Right. I'm, I mean, some of those girls are there because, you know, they're about to fucking crush it on the tennis court and they're playing, you know, like I love that too, but I just think there's so many people in there who the scarier they look, the more demons they've fought to get there. And that means that your demons are valid in their eyes. And I think that's really cool. And you won't find a better sense of camaraderie. There's nothing cool. Like I see you and what the fuck can I do to help you? Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Like I, I was talking, I forgot who I was talking to, but it was an old schooler, you know, in that like Southern California bodybuilding scene. And I said, there was something magical that happened to me when I was young and I made the decision I wanted to get into bodybuilding and like lifting weight and like taking care of myself, right? So I go to the gym and this is Gold Gym in Pasadena. And I remember meeting these dudes Doug Brignoli and like the, the Mike O'Hearn and you were, I had this vision. I think like the general public did that they were like dumb buff guys. <laughs> 
and I'm sure those guys exist. But these guys, they were like the first time for a young kid I saw guys who really had their shit together. And like you said, they were so wrapped up in their own stuff that they were battling. They didn't have any opportunity even, I think, to judge other people. They were like, young boy that wants to pump iron? That's awesome. Do you want a spot? Let me give you some advice. Let me help you. And it was like exhilarating, you know? It, it was really kind yeah. of fun. And like- Nobody killing it has time to think about how to make fun of you. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, nobody who, and that, by the way, that's a really good point. Nobody who's killing it has time to make fun of you. That goes for like all facets of life. If you are someone who's starting your own podcast, you got a YouTube channel, you're, 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 you're the first person in your little small community that's going to college or, and you're doing something right. You're putting yourself out there and it's scary. And then people are shitting on you. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world and I'm not the most successful guy in the world. I'm not the most experienced, but I've been around the block enough to know winners that I've been around. They don't, they've never made a negative comment on YouTube ever. It's never once happened. I've never been around a guy who's killing it. That is shredded. Who's gone, gone to the chat room and been like, your fucking legs are small. Yeah. You may have good delts, but your calves look like shit. No, none of my buddies that well, are. Well, how about some cat spell? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there, there is a, a, a there's, there's, it's important to point out that you're going to have a lot of detract, especially now, way worse than ever before with the internet. You're going to have detractors. You're going to have people that are going to chip away at you and they're going to bring you down. Whether you're famous, whether you're not, just trying to do stuff. You're going to have people that are going to shit on you. And uh, science kind of shows a really small, infinitesimal percentage of those people are worth listening to. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, angry people do angry things. Yeah. And most of the time what you're doing is you're taking a step. It doesn't mean that they want to do what you do, but it does mean that you doing something is making them feel stuck. Yeah. In whatever area they're miserable in. And I that's pretty empowering when you recognize somebody else is pissed off because you showed them that there there's a room for them to move and they're not moving. I, I think like you've given a lot of really inspiring and really good advice. And it's no surprise to me that you do that for a living now. What do you have to say? I'm not necessarily talking to teenage or early college age guy. I'm talking about mm -hmm. like my, my man, Georgie over here, you know, like late twenties, thirties, early thirties, where you've now you're putting your life together and you're doing it and you're grinding. And the dating scene now is so weird mm -hmm. and it's so hard. What do you say to straight guys out there from a woman who is a beautiful, but B also deserves respect, deserves the attention to her worth. What do you say to the guys out there who maybe are commensurate in deserving worth and but want to meet a girl like you? Yeah, I think if you're clear on the fact that you really do want to meet somebody who doesn't just make fill that void and make you feel less insecure for the night and then you're going to move on to the next one, but you're really looking for a partner. Um, one thing is that everybody's just scared. 
everybody's really scared to get hurt. And so are you. And that's, that means that a lot of times it's going to take bravery from both of you to be able to make a good relationship work. And most of that is vulnerability. It's not stupidity, but it's vulnerability, willingness to be clear on what you're looking for. If a guy who is successful and kind isn't out there slinging dick, he's just like, Hey, I'm looking for a partner. I think a lot of us would really benefit from saying openly, I'm actually looking for my partner and I'm not really looking for anything beyond like, I'm not really settling for that. That doesn't mean you're my partner. It doesn't mean that this dinner is going to be the thing we talk about at our wedding, but it does mean that I'm here really testing to see if this is something legitimate and I'm not into the games. And I think for men, it's my girlfriends. And I say this all the time. It is very easy to realize how you can play a high value woman, a woman, you know what to say. Oh, she's looking for commitment. She's not really fucking around. If you don't have those feelings towards somebody, whether you're the girl or the guy, the first thing you can do is letting somebody go when they're not your person is huge. And I truly believe you can kind of get the zip zaps when you're like, Oh, this, this one's worth sticking around and seeing how it goes. But if it's not worth it, get the fuck out of the way because some that is, that person is worth it to somebody else, girl or guy. Yeah. Somewhere, and, someplace. Yeah. Yeah. Just like being genuine and authentic with your intentions. And I mean, the rest of it falls into place or it doesn't. And validating that the amount of time you spend with somebody, whether it ends in your partnership being lifelong or not, had validity and was good and that your intention is never to hurt the other person. Yeah. Then there's a real problem. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a mean, real problem. I just can't wait to hurt someone today. This is my big. I mean, that's a, there's a lot of angry people out oh, there. Oh yeah, there's like, a lot of sociopaths in Washington yeah. D.C. and Hollywood uh, that yeah. like hurting people. Um, so okay, last question for you, so I can let you get about your day. And I really do appreciate you joining me today. Always, I'll be here every day. <laughs> we talked about. Uh, well, some, by the way, some yeah, bring company, it up. Bring it up. Some company will remain nameless. Did that put us together to host a podcast and it was too it was too much for them and then just said nah flew me out to venice brought her we sat down we did professional camera team we had a set though and i'm like oh well this is what my whole life's taken care of because this is gonna be fucking huge and then just by the way didn't go uh it, it's uh, it turns out it's going to cost more money than we anticipated. <laughs> no, they're just like, we'll just not call them back. We'll just never call them. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I put I shit on hold for this. Good. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they saw it before we did. But they saw it before we did. Um, so last question before I, before I let you go is uh, we, we, at the very beginning of the show, we were talking about like the similarities with, uh, extreme weight loss and then drug and alcohol addiction or extreme um, uh, obesity and, and drug and alcohol addiction. And almost always there's a very, there's a history of trauma, sexual abuse or, or something that, that there that's leading to that because every one of us has had the up oh, man, you know what? I need to do it for some, I, I've really let myself go at 10 or 20 pounds overweight to get over a hundred pounds overweight. There's something beyond that right and it bothers me when i see like the biggest loser type stuff where it's like well let's just sweat it out and it's like no 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 there's some serious stuff we need to discuss right same thing with drugs it's not like well you're just lazy you just have no willpower you got to put the booze down it's like no no there's serious profound problems here this person drinks you know like uh god rest his soul the the guy from smash mouth steve uh, Har Harwood. he his liver gave out at 50 
Like, we, this is not like uh, he's just got to cut back on the booze. This is serious uh, traumatic stuff that's going on. My take has always been when people ask me my advice is like, it's like uh, your house being on fire. Down the line, you can get to the bottom of why your house caught on fire. But while it's on fire, put the fucking fire out. Because, you know, if you're drinking a pint of whiskey every night, to volume, if you're drinking an 18-pack every night when you get home from work, if you're using cocaine or meth every day, like, I, I'm sure there was probably some abuse in your past or a childhood thing. But first, we got to deal with the daily cocaine use, right? Do you have the same feeling? Do you have the fe same feeling with obesity, or do you think that there can be more of a symbiotic approach to deal with the mental, lose the weight at the same time? Oh, I, I think that waiting until you figure yourself out to start treating yourself better is a recipe for a disaster because you can't do one without the other. Nice. Okay. So, getting yourself to a place where you're like, okay, I can't love this for, I can't even find it. For me, trying to find my traumas took another seven years. I knew they were there and I honored them, but really waiting until you're cured to cure yourself makes zero sense. No sense. Yeah. You, like, it makes no sense. that I have access to is that I am unhappy and unsafe and I'm treating myself poorly. What can I do to change that? You will figure out, fingers crossed, how to love yourself during that process with a lot of trial and error and a lot of hiccups, but you'll figure it out. You will never figure it out if you wait. That's this magic solution is like, oh, well, when I heal my trauma, then this will, all this weight will fall off. Part of losing the weight is healing the that you're dealing with in that identity. It is crucial to changing your life. And that's part of why the quick fix, I'm just going to take a drug and it's all going to fall off or whatever. You're going to hit that wall so much faster because there's no, there the inner work of, I am learning to love myself and version myself regardless of the narrative that I have in my head. That is the transformation. And that's what lets you get deeper into that shadow work and into those versions of yourself. I can't stand when I, if I waited to fix myself, I'd still be 340 pounds, but I'd probably be dead. Right. No, that's it. That, I mean, it, yeah, I, and, and same with me. If I, mean, I, if I waited to get to the bottom of what was going on internally with me until I stopped doing drugs, I would absolutely be dead. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a incredibly also, advice and coping mechanism you're using is stopping you from being able to sit in whatever you're feeling. So like if you're jacked up and fucked up and I speak from experience, like, just because you get an over one trauma doesn't mean you don't fill it with another. And if you're fucked up and you're out of your mind trying to avoid it, you're never going to get there. And whatever your substance of choice is, it's going to stop you from getting to that place. So it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, the two have to work in tandem. I, I think that's incredibly good advice. And I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure you probably became more effective at dealing with the internal the more and more you worked on the on the external, you know, the more and more you yeah. the weight loss and the struggle that came with the weight loss, you learned a lot about yourself, you got more self respect, and that therefore you kind of made yourself a little bit more competent at dealing with the introspective stuff, you know. You really learn to trust yourself because if you can if you can trust yourself when you feel like you suck, learning to trust yourself when you're starting to realize that you're a, an okay person mm -hmm. gets a lot easier. That is a. Uh, it's a shit ton of great advice, and I really, really appreciate you joining me today. At 
the Iron Giantess on Instagram. I I have to have you back because that was like really fantastic. It was really motivating. I have goosebumps listening to it, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening and watching that that feel the same way. Um, the, her, I asked Laura before the show. She said. Her Instagram is the best place to catch her at the Iron Giantess and that there will be other stuff, amazing things coming soon and that you will be made aware. So just make sure that you subscribe, you at her and uh, stay uh, abreast of what's going on in her life. And then uh, thank you again. I hope we could do this soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.